the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Pick me up music there, mellow but uplifting, don't you think, Ken? Very nice, yes. Nice Sunday morning song. Yeah, Sunday morning. Uh, I'm easy like Sunday morning. (laughs) Exactly. By the way, I'm Dr. Bill, your Radio MD, and I got Ken by my side here, and we're having fun doing a radio show. We're going to talk about all kinds of things today. One of my patients, who's also an avid listener, Ken, said he wants more medical information, less politics, less history. Oh, my God, Ken, I talked about that all week long. At <laughs> any rate, so we'll go ahead and do a little bit more. And, uh, and Ken was asking me about what do you do to quit smoking? And what have you tried, Ken? Well, over the years? Yeah. I have tried cold turkey. I have tried hypnosis. I have tried acupuncture. I have not tried the pill because it, when I was trying to quit smoking, that pill was killing people. <laughs> that's that's what you heard on on the on the uh, internet, huh? Well, that, well, they were talking about yeah, I was making people commit suicide or something like that. So they, I think they took it off the market for a while, whatever that was. And well, I've never tried the patch either. If you stop it abruptly, you know, you got to wean off of any antidepressant. But uh, we'll talk about those in a minute. And uh, you know, there have been a lot of different uh, remedies tried over the year, and I'm not sure that there's any one that works uh, 100% for anybody. But I remember when I was smoking as a teenager and I quit, uh, I had to chew gum to just keep my mouth busy. And, uh, and I dreamt about smoking for months and months afterwards. Can you believe that? I can. It's such an addictive substance. Oh, it's so addictive. Uh, my dad, my dad, when my, mo- when my mom became pregnant with my brother three years before I was born, she made him stop smoking. He was a smoker. Fast, uh, flash forward now some 20 years, and I'm smoking at this point. And I was yep. with Dad one day in the car, and I had one going. And he said, you know, I quit smoking 20 years ago, but I really would like to drag it out. <laughs> 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 and that's how addictive this is. It is addictive. And you you know you got a problem when you just crave cigarettes or feel nervous without them or uh, – had, the anxiety had, that builds when you don't have them is incredible. Headaches, problems sleeping, feel depressed or anxious. It's it's a, it's really a, a tough thing to quit and uh, very addictive, highly addictive. And we do have receptors in the brain that are specific for nicotine. Uh, why quit, though? You know, why do you want to quit? Why do I want to quit? Why do you want to quit? Well, I want to quit because of what you told me on Thursday. That's why. You got some emphysema. I got some emphysema, and I want, and I'm, and I'm not really having any breathing difficulty. So I assume I'm in the early stages of it. Well, yeah, but I mean, you don't really go out and do a whole lot. You're not, a, you're not an athlete. You're not running or riding your bike, as far as I know. No, no. Most 
the strenuous thing I do is move boxes around in garages. That my my garage is constantly <laughs> being redesigned. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I think that that's one good reason to quit is the risk of emphysema, which increases with age and time. And not everybody gets emphysema, but most people will. Well, I, it's, it, I mean, I don't, I don't know. You were looking at the x-ray. Did you definitively tell from the x-ray that we have to wait for blood tests before we actually know? No, it's an x-ray diagnosis. Yeah, okay. So I'm so dead in five years. That's what I've been reading on the Internet. Screwed. I'm dead in five years. You're screwed, bud. You're screwed. <laughs> it's all over. <laughs> tell Barb start looking for a replacement. <laughs> so I'll tell Joe. <laughs> put tell put Joe. the ad in the paper. Well, not only do you want to think about uh, emphysema because, I mean, that's a horrible disease when you're older, when you're tied to an oxygen tank and all that, um, and it's hard to do anything you want to do, get around, but uh, you also have to think about dying of lung cancer, and although there are some people who don't get lung cancer from smoking, most people, if they smoke long enough, they will have some, and uh, certainly we know the risk is astronomically greater for getting lung cancer if you are a smoker. Occasionally, we'll see somebody who's not a smoker who uh, comes in with a lung cancer. Uh, a lot of times, those people are, are subjected to passive smoking. You know, someone in their household, like their dad or or their mom, is a smoker. Well, I understand that industrial chemicals can do that to you as well. Rarely, rarely, rarely. Um, okay. Yeah. Now, now we know that uh, uh, you can get the mesothelioma from from the uh, the dust of the, what is it, you know, the... The asbestos? Yes, yeah. as the asbestos dust, which was used in, in a lot of different applications like uh, 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 insulation around pipes on ships and, uh, uh, you know, construction. I guess they used to put it in, in plaster and different different things that, that you'll inhale if you work around it. Uh, I think a lot of factories, they have a lot, still have a, a lot of the older factories, they still have a lot of asbestos as insulation and uh, dampening material. But uh, that's unusual, the mesotheliomas. I mean, you do see it. I've diagnosed two or three in my career. Uh, but I did do uh, uh, an x-ray and medical workshop or medical uh, exam on a bunch of people from the... Uh, Brotherhood of Electrical Workers in Atlanta years ago, and we did chest x-ray after chest x-ray and examined and looked at them. Most of the people who had real problems were people who were also smoking. So that that just increases your risk, not only for lung cancer, but for almost every other cancer, Ken. Smoking increases your risk. It increases your risk of skin cancer. It increases your risk of bowel and breast cancer. I mean, it just goes on and on. So that's a real risk, too, and another reason to quit. And now, you have to also think about your, your blood vessels because it increases your risk of heart attack and stroke. Did you know that? I, I've read that somewhere, yeah. yeah. And uh, almost exclusively, we see uh, peripheral artery disease in the legs in people who are smokers. Usually, they're diabetics and hypertensive, and they smoke. But uh, certainly, smoking will increase your risk for blood vessel disease especially in your legs, and there's a real bad form of it called Berger's disease, which is uh, probably genetic in, in part, and uh, those people, they lose limbs. I mean, they lose toes, feet, legs. My. <laughs> it's it's really bad because— So there's the nothing art- good about a cigarette at all, is there? Well— <laughs> 
not unless you have stock in Philip Morris. Okay, sure. <laughs> <laughs> then it's a good thing. <laughs> and vaping is really no better, is it? I've, I've been hearing lots of bad things about vaping recently. Well, I, so. I think that with vaping, you're going to get the uh, nicotine, but you're not going to get the tar. So you're probably cut down on your lung cancer risk, but everything else is going to remain the same. Uh, it's just a, a tough thing. And it's hard to get people to quit, but there there are some uh, vehicles that you can try. There are medications, and we have a few of them. Uh, you've got the uh, the nicotine patches. There's Nicotrol and uh, store brands and generics. There's nicotine gum. Uh, there's nicotine nasal spray, Nicotrol. Uh, there's an inhaler called Nicotrat. Trat? Nicotrel. Nicotrel. And uh, what, what are you inhaling? Nico- are you inhaling nicotine there? Yeah, you're inhaling nicotine. So it's like vaping only. Uh, you just use it intermittently instead of vaping all day long. You know, just when you have the desire, you you grab a piece of nicotine gum or take a hit off of your nicotine inhaler until you can uh, wean yourself off, if possible. And uh, a lot of these things are readily available over the counter. The uh, nasal spray and the inhaler are prescription, but the lozenges and the gum and the patches, you can I believe you can get those all over the counter now. So hmm. there, there are over-the-counter remedies that you can uh, avail yourself of. And uh, so, so let me ask you, what, so, what, so say I, I'm driving down the road, I want a cigarette, okay? I get the urge. I would just take an inhaler and just give myself a, a quick shot, and that would take care of the... The that would that that would yeah that would stop the urge. So then you try to space yourself uh, further and further apart. So the next time you have the urge, you say, "Well, I'm going to skip this one." And then the time after that, you say, "Okay, I'll go ahead and take a hit." And then you can space it out from every other to every third to every fourth to every two hundredth or however <laughs> many cigarettes you're smoking. A day. I had a friend of mine. He put himself in the hospital using the patch. He's not too bright. Great morning man. Very funny guy. But he was smoking while he was <laughs> using the patch. And I guess he got like a nicotine OD or something. Something happened to him. They rushed him to the hospital. Oh, yeah. Get your heart rate up and uh, get all your blood vessels constricted and get nauseous and everything else. We we used to use nicotine uh, as an insect repellent, insect killer. Uh, <laughs> Did you know that? No, I didn't. I've been inhaling insect repellent all these years. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It was used as an insect repellent back in the days when... Uh, when the farmers in Kentucky and Tennessee and uh, Virginia, when they were allowed to have a tobacco base. Um, and I remember seeing those as a kid. So you'd have a farmer or a tenant farmer who was growing wheat or corn or whatever. And of course that paid the, the basic bills. But if you wanted to get the kids clothes for school, you had to have a little tobacco base and you'd sell your tobacco to uh, one of the big companies, uh, uh, and they'd have auctions. It's it's fascinating to see big barns full of uh, hanging sheaves of uh, tobacco, and then the the uh, the buyers would come in and they'd inspect and they'd pick out the ones they wanted for their their brand. But then the excess was made into uh, into an insecticide that was basically nicotine based. Had no idea. <laughs> Those days are gone now, uh, but. It it really, I mean, it'll kill you. <laughs> yeah, you get enough of it, it'll kill you. And uh, nicotine overdose is uh, it's it's a big deal. Oh, that reminds me, we had this guy. He uh, he had broken his ankle 
I mean, really broken it badly, displaced and everything. And he was unable to walk and his wife was out of town, but he had a bunch of uh, uh, fentanyl patches. Fentanyl is a potent narcotic. And so he was waiting for his wife to come back. So when he started to hurt, he'd just slap on another fentanyl patch. Oh, my. <laughs> When he came in, he had eight or ten fentanyl patches on him. Of course, he was unconscious. <laughs> Get some Narcon into him real real quick. <laughs> the, the wife came home and found him in the bathroom unconscious with a broken wow. ankle and eight or ten fentanyl patches. So you can't OD with patches. That's a fact, Jack. Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know. The, the, um, the inhaler is kind of interesting. I like the idea of that. Now, we do have the uh, the, the, the two medications that are prescription Zyban and Shantex and that's a bupropion and varicycline or ver Varenis, I can't pronounce it. Anyway, we'll just call it Shantex because it's easier. Yeah. <laughs> We've all heard of Shantex. Yeah, no, they're they're both in the antidepressant anti-anxiety family. And uh, they do help if you're motivated. Now if you're not motivated, they're not going to help. You said that you heard of people who were committing suicide after being on this. You know, you have to examine the the, the home situation with the wife at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> because you never know which one it is. You don't know if it's the withdrawal from the Shantex or the uh, Zyban or if the wife's really hounding you. At any rate. <clears throat> well, we got to find some. You know, I once uh, the um, the acupuncture actually worked the longest for me. I went one one time, and it lasted for like six or seven weeks until I went to a bar and started smoking one day. But that that was my fault. I'm sure it could have gone longer. But it's interesting. You no, know, al- alcohol and tobacco are, are really, uh, I mean, you, there's really a lot of close relationship between those two, especially if you go to a bar where there are other people smoking. I guess you drop your, uh, you lower your uh, your resistance with a little alcohol and then the tobacco smells good from a distance. And also after six or seven weeks of not smoking, you say to yourself, well, I can handle one. No, you can't, but you can't exactly. You cannot. Now there's some, there's a couple of reasons not to take Shantex and I'll, I want you to check on this. We'll run a pregnancy test on you next time. <laughs> and I want to know. If I've gone through menopause, doc. Don't worry about it. <laughs> you're th- okay. You're through menopause. Yeah. So, but, if you're pregnant or breastfeeding, you should probably consider or not consider these without talking to your health care provider or <laughs> OBGYN. I don't know uh, the exact risk for uh, for infants in, in utero, but uh, I'm sure that somebody will say you shouldn't do it. <clears throat> Other yeah. things to consider. Talk to uh, your OBGYN person before you take it. Yeah, talk, yeah. To your, talk to your OB. Don't talk to me because I don't know anything. <laughs> Well, I mean, you know, I know how to get people pregnant, but I don't know any what to do with them after that. Um, it's been a long time, no, Ken. <laughs> so, well, uh, I don't know what I'm going to do yet, Doc, but I'm, I mean, I've been reading. I don't know if this is right, but I'm reading. If I don't do anything, I'll probably be dead in five years. And if I quit smoking, I might get 10. Well, I'll give you 15 if you'll quit today. Really? <laughs> <laughs> That's your doctor talking. <laughs> Well, um, I've already kind of started. I had I didn't smoke on the way in. There you go. That's a start. That's a start. Exactly. It's it's a you know it's a step in the right direction. You know, it's one day at a time, just like alcohol uh, or any other addictive substance. You know, the one that's really tough to I mean, you just cannot cure this easily is food addiction. 
And it's just, it's so widespread and ubiquitous in the United States. It's just kind of sad, really. I mean, half the population now, I would bet, is overweight. I would think so, yeah. I mean, you know, they they're, they put healthy-looking kids on TV and say, this child is starving, donate to the food fund. I'm looking at that <laughs> kid like, that's what we looked like when we were kids. I mean, you know, rosy cheek, thin, muscular, little tiny. It's, com- it's, it's a combination of uh, junk food and not playing outside anymore, if you know what I mean. Well, uh, you know, little little Timmy needs ho-hos. I mean, come on. You can't get through the day without a, a cupcake or something, C- cookies. But you can. But, you can get through the day with two cookies and maybe four ho-hos if you go out and play some baseball. That's right. If you got to get out there and burn it off, though. But uh, sugar is very addicting, too. You know, everything is basically turned back into sugar except for a few essential amino acids and fatty acids and vitamins and minerals. Everything's broken down and uh, turned back into sugar in your body. But And that's why we like starch because that's sugar. And they're it's sweet. They're they're tasty. You know, rice is sweet, bread is sweet, and uh, so we get addicted to that. But if you're thinking about taking an antidepressant or anti-anxiety like Shantex or Zyban, uh, need to talk with your doctor because if you have a history of depression or suicidal uh, thoughts, or if you're easily agitated or upset, if you have panic attacks, insomnia. You know those kinds of things, uh, irritability. Then, then you need to talk with your doctor before you get on those and see if there's something else going on. You don't want to, uh, you don't want to muck it up with uh, some psychiatric problems and then end up killing Ken. I mean, killing- <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know, Doc. I think I got to try one of these. See how it goes. Set a quit date. Tell your family and friends. Uh, remove all the cigarettes and uh, tobacco from the house. Well, I have to get my wife out because she smokes too. That's the that's <laughs> that might help. That, <laughs> that's the, that's the that. challenge for me. Now she does restrict her smoking just to Lanai. Well, there you go. But it does filter in the house once in a while, you know. Yeah, well, yeah. you know, to get a big fan and blow her away. I mean, blow the smoke away. <laughs> So then you want to talk to your health care provider and plan for challenges and setbacks. And you're going to have to change your playgrounds and your playmates because it's not easy to quit when you're around people who are smoking. Did you know that? Um, and I'm just thinking that just about everybody I know. Just as a smoke. He's a smoker, yeah. Joe doesn't smoke. No, I'm talking about outside of radio. Oh, I, well, I didn't think there was anything else in life. <laughs> If you talk to a radio guy, there is not. But my friends and family, they do smoke. Yeah. They do, huh? Yeah, especially the in-laws. They're all, well, at least two or three of them are smokers. Yeah. Well, I don't want you talking with your in-laws anymore. Okay. I'll, I'll send out a memo. <laughs> send them doctors, a memo. Give me a doctor's doctors note. <laughs> give me a doctor's note. Sorry, I can't play with you anymore. <laughs> That's right. Bye. See you. So, by the way, I got this from, uh, from, uh, Medscape uh, e-medicine, Paxlovid doesn't increase the risk for rebound COVID. You know, that myth was floating around for the past year and a half. And uh, I even heard doctors in the lunchroom pumping that out. I'm like, what are you talking about? There's no rebound. I mean, it doesn't mean you can't catch it again in four to six weeks. doesn't mean you can't have the flu on top of of, uh, COVID and you don't know it. 
doesn't mean you can't have just a ordinary old cold on top of a COVID, but the Paxlovid, which is the, the antiviral agent, which is really miraculous, Ken. I mean, just if you get that within a few days of, of symptoms, you're, you're better the next morning. I mean, it's really... Uh, At the time, we thought it was a miracle when it came out, yeah. It is a miracle. It's just a miracle drug, but uh, now they're pushing it for older people and for people with chronic problems like asthma or diabetes or kidney disease. Uh, they're, they're saying that your risk for getting sick and being hospitalized or small risk of even from dying from the uh, from this current strain, the Omicron, uh, is is increased if you have these problems or if you're over 60, 65. And you got to remember, as you get older, your antibody levels drop quickly uh, to a lot of different things. And that's why we get shingles as we get older, because our antibody levels drop. And then the little latent viruses can come out on your skin and, and cause you a big problem. But uh, so I, I would like everybody to stop saying that you get a rebound from Paxlovid. You hear that from the family practitioners and from the ER doctors. They were the ones who were putting that out initially. Unfortunately, that's who most people see. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, we don't want that kind of uh, uh, dishonesty and, and uh, urban mythology going around. Uh, that just it's just not good for for those of us who need it and who are older or who have chronic problems or who have emphysema and smoke. Me, so, right, exactly. You know, you want to be careful and, and take care of yourself. This is, a, this is a big deal. You don't want to end up in the hospital with, with a virus that's easily treated now. Just don't want that, guys. Well, I'm um, going to quit smoking, Doc. Well, you can do it. And I know I can. Confidence. I know you can, too. And uh, you may have to tell the wife, can you guys quit together? Is she motivated? No. She likes her smoking, huh? Yeah, she's not. She, she won't join me, I'm pretty sure. I haven't talked to her about it, but I don't think I don't think she'll join me. I've got a pistol if you want to borrow. <laughs> no. No. You get, the one thing I've learned about stopping your smoking habit is you got to want to. Yeah, you got to want to do it, and you and you have to believe in yourself too, which I think you do at some level. Well, it's a challenge. I don't like to lose, so yeah, now it's a challenge. Remember, you got to remember, uh, winning is is by degrees, and uh, we're competing against our own best time, as my swimming coach used to say every day to us. Billy, you're competing against your own best time. It doesn't matter if you win or lose, as long as you better your time. And there's something to that. Yeah, absolutely. So that's, you know, you're doing it for yourself and you got to have your own motivation. Yeah. That's what I've learned from everybody who's ever stopped. And if you cut down and, and you don't do it immediately, uh, but it takes you a little longer than other people, it's not a contest. Exactly. It's not a contest. It's, it's an attempt to maintain your health and your longevity. Well, we'll give it a shot. I, I'm pretty sure I can do it. Meanwhile, emphysema is really good motivation. <laughs> I found that out. Yep. That and heart, heart attacks and strokes. And I've, I've had a number of people who have come in and said, yeah, I smoked until I was in the hospital with an acute heart attack and uh, went to surgery and had my chest cracked. And then I quit. <laughs> I said, that's a good reason. Larry King had that same experience. He tells a story that he went in after a heart attack, came out and never wanted another cigarette in his life. He said, he said that the whole desire was gone. 
It's like his brain just turned that off. Well, that's good. Yeah. Because he didn't have much of a brain to begin with. Well, yeah, well, you know. <laughs> You know, so we want to save that we get get rid of that part that's no good and keep it for. But he he did good interviews. He had a lot of people come on his show. Oh yeah, I used to love, I used to love to watch his show sometimes. Depending yeah. on who he had on, you know. But. Yeah, see so see who was on. He rarely asked any hard questions though, so it was more of a chit chat. But that's okay. Yeah, it was very inquisitive. You find yeah. things out about the people. Like he was on. David Letterman was on there one day, and he found things about. He brought things out from Dave that I never knew before. So. That's what you're supposed to do. One of my neighbor's girlfriend is Letterman's sister or something. And then, so uh, she has met him and said he's a nice guy, you know, just a regular guy when he's at a party or with the family. So I, I don't know. Well, I, I, would, I would hope so. He seems like a pretty approachable guy, but he's from Indiana, and everybody from Indiana is approachable. <laughs> nice Jewish boy from Indiana. Yep. Uh, traffic note, Doc. I'm not sure it still is. I'm looking here. <laughs> Looks like the uh, Howard Franklin is still closed. Uh-oh. On the uh, St. Pete's side. Yeah. You mean coming into or going coming out? In, it looks like it's closed going into. Yeah, it's going into Tampa where it's closed. So if you're coming into Tampa today, you're going to need to take a different bridge. It looks like they had a, I understand they had a fatal accident out there a little while ago. Oh, oh. So, yeah, take, take the Gandhi or go up and take US-60. Right now, both of them are okay, so people getting yeah. around this pretty easy. It's a Sunday. It's not going to cause a huge delay. So. Speaking of cars, you know, Governor Newsom, is, uh, his latest war on oil is to start taxing what he considers excess profits of the oil companies. So if they charge more than he likes for gasoline out there, he's going to tax it. I'm thinking, <clears throat> how are these oil companies going to do business in California? Yeah, you can't do it. You can't work with somebody like that. Excuse me one second, Ken. Oh, Doc. Clear your throat there, buddy. Doc's got some phlegm coming up. He's got to get the phlegm out. And I don't even smoke. <laughs> That's right. Imagine how bad my phlegm is. <laughs> you must be Flemish. I am. I'm Flemish. Okay. I grew up Flemish. <laughs> you grew up Flemish. So I, I don't know what's going on out there in California. Have they lost their minds or what? Many, many decades ago. They did decades ago. Yeah, they did. I think that uh, probably Ronald Reagan was the last sane governor they had. Um. Brown was he pretty good? I can't remember Brown all that much. Well, he was. He came in and out what three times? I yeah, he had three different terms, non consecutive, which has got to be a record. And uh, you know, he was pretty much a left wing loony, but he wasn't as much of a tree hugger as as uh, the, the the new the new generation is out there. I always respected the guy because he was able to date Linda Ronstadt, and I thought, okay, well. Do you know she never wrote one song? I know she's not a songwriter. She's not a song. She's, uh, I don't think she's the brightest girl. I think she's uh, a, a really nice girl. And uh, apparently uh, she won, I don't know, several Grammys, one of the biggest Grammy winners of all times. Oh, for a while, she was the highest paid female singer in the country. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I just loved her songs and I loved her voice. And I love the song choices, too. You know, you you write songs and then you take them, if you're a songwriter and you're not a performer, and you take them to people who you think, performers who you think might be interested, and so you try to sell your song to them. Did you know that? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, sure. You know, it's, Elvis never wrote a song. Well, that's because he was too busy popping pills and having <laughs> a I don't know what. He never wrote one song? Never wrote a song. Who wrote his songs? Everybody else. <laughs> He made a lot of people rich. No. He made a lot of people rich. 
He sure did. Those songwriters, they get paid really well. They're... Their royalties are very nice. So, yeah, I heard uh, one songwriter in concert. I forget his name, but he would uh, take his songs to people like uh, Carol King and, and not Carol King, but uh, what's her name? It's Carly Simon. Yeah, Carly, Carly Simon. Okay, yeah. Because Carol King was a prolific songwriter. Yeah, she Carol was, did write. Yeah, she she wrote tons. I mean, most of the Motown sound was right out of her head. Did yeah. you know that? I, I know she was in the in the mix. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she just she, all of the all of those songs that were so popular that the uh, the the black groups did and the black singers did back in the '60s, right out of her head. Yep. Unbelievable. She's a great songwriter. Yeah, great songwriter. Anyway, oh, Doc, look at the time, some, buddy. Hey, we got a question or what? Today? Got, we do have a question. Come on here. This is going to be the first time the question doesn't deal with you. Oh my God! It's going to deal with me. Okay. Here's by the way, the up for grabs. Two, Dr. Bill, your Radio MD coffee mic. So the first caller gets the question right at 877-969-8600. That's 877-969-8600. The question is, what would what did Doc diagnose me with on Thursday? 877-969-8600. First person with the correct answer gets the mugs. All right, buddy. Let's take a break. I got to go get some coffee. I need some Joe, Momo. Then let's do it, buddy. All right. Here's the latest from the Answer News Center. With SRN News, I'm Michael Harrington in Washington. The European Union is imposing new sanctions on Russia over its invasion of Ukraine. The bloc is targeting more officials and organizations accused of supporting the war, spreading propaganda, or supplying drones. Elsewhere, German Chancellor Olaf Scholz sought assurances yesterday from India it would support or at least not block Western efforts to isolate Russia for the war. Following talks with Indian Prime Minister Narendra Modi in New Delhi, Scholz said developing countries are suffering energy and food shortages because of the war, and he hopes that India will give them a leg up. Turkey's justice minister says investigations run away against more than 600 people in relation to the buildings that collapsed in the country's catastrophic earthquake. The 7.8 magnitude quake killed nearly 48,000 people and flattened nearly 200,000 buildings. This is SRN News. AM860, The Answer. Listen on our website, theanswertampa.com. 93.7 FM. W229DJ Dunedin. By downloading The Answer Tampa app or on TuneIn or Odyssey. Dr. Bill for Bay Area Medical. Located at 6399 38th Avenue North in St. Pete. 727-384-6411. 727-384-6411. Full service clinic with x-ray, heart imaging, ultrasound, stress testing, and minor surgery. We provide quality health care in a warm and friendly atmosphere. We are multilingual, well-trained, and certified. Most American insurance and new patients accepted. Bay Area Medical, home of CanCare, 727-384-6411, 727-384-6411. Dr. Bill here. With social distancing and sheltering in place, telemedicine is here. Bay Area Medical, home of CanCare Clinic, offers telemedicine for new and established patients. You can see me without an office visit. Schedule an appointment at 727 384 When it's time for your appointment, type this web address into your cell phone or computer web browser, doxy.me forward slash Bay Area Med. A cell phone works well and is all you really need. 
For computers, you need a web camera and speakers. We'll give you this address when you call for your appointment. We accept most insurances and travel insurances. Canadians and visitors, please call your travel insurance company for an authorization number prior to the visit. Co-pays and deductibles apply. Self-pay rates are available. Just ask. We accept credit cards, PayPal, and Stripe. 727-384-6411. 727-384-6411. Dr. Bill here. My friends at St. Pete MRI and Sleep Diagnostics are your best choice for state-of-the-art MRI, CT, and sleep studies. Quality unsurpassed. 25 years experience makes St. Pete MRI my go-to imaging center. Self-pay rates are competitive and out-of-pocket cost a fraction of a hospital. Conveniently accessible from both sides of the bay at 750 94th Avenue North, St. Pete, near the Gandhi, 727-577-2220, 727-577-2220. The latest from AccuWeather at the top and bottom of the hour, only on AM860, The Answer. Daily partly sunny and warm, with a high 85. Tonight, partly cloudy and warm, below 68. Tomorrow, plenty of sun, remaining warm, with a high 84. Tomorrow night, mainly clear, below 65. On Sunday, partly sunny, with a high 82. Get your weather news when and how you want it, wherever you are. Download our free app or visit AccuWeather.com. That's your AccuWeather forecast. I'm Garrett Back for AM860, The Answer. There were days where we thought we wouldn't make it out. But we stuck it out. Today's our day. Today's Dr. Bill from Ken's with me today. He's uh, going to quit smoking, so we've got a big, uh, a big event going on here this morning. <laughs> yes, I am going to quit smoking. I've decided I'm going to stop. I'm so proud of you. Thank you. And Mike Laneville of Tampa knew that the impetus for me to stop smoking is because I was diagnosed with a emphysema at your office earlier this week. Which uh, was a surprise. It was Mike. Mike Laneville. Laneville. Mike Lane. Hey, Mike, we appreciate you listening, buddy. And I'll get those mugs out to you just as soon as I can remember how to get to my office. And thanks to everybody who called in. We had a lot of people call in today, Doc. Everybody knew what we were talking about today. Well, they are listening then. They've got it down. Well, as long as we're talking about addictive substances, let's go ahead and talk about red wine now. There was a study out of Sao Paulo. Uh, and the researchers concluded that the uh, modulation of the gut microbiota, that's your gut flora. You know, you have bacteria in your gut. You probably didn't know that. Okay, I'll take your word for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, without the bacteria, we couldn't process a lot of the food. So it's a symbiotic relationship that we have healthy bacteria in our gut. And uh, so apparently these guys are saying that red wine moderates the uh, gut flora and uh, helps the healthy uh, bugs, the healthy bacteria in your gut produce chemicals that are protective. And so it cuts down on your cardiovascular risk. Uh, and it's called, the, the substance is called TMAO. I, don't, I couldn't pronounce the whole thing, but at any rate, it's uh, mostly in the plasma of our blood and uh, that this is modified by drinking red wine in moderation. So What's you know, moderation? Well, I I have no idea. <laughs> You're asking the wrong guy. I mean, you know, if I have one beer, I'll have eight. But uh, I would think that a couple of glasses of wine isn't going to hurt you a day. It's not that much alcohol. Let's say let's say you have two eight ounce glasses. That's sixteen ounces, and uh, wine is what twelve percent alcohol. So that's uh, that's minimal amount of alcohol. I mean, that's, well, if it helps your heart, it's fine. Yeah, I mean, it's not that much alcohol. 
So I said, start drinking wine and stop smoking. Yeah, so they say 8.5 ounces or 250 milliliters of wine daily. So I don't think another 250 is going to kill you. (laughs) So 500 is, uh, what's that? That's a a pint's a pound the world around, so that's a half pint. That's not that much. Maybe that's why the... um... In the uh, Middle East, uh, not not oh, the Mediterranean. The Mediterranean, they have pretty long lifespans. It seems they drink a lot of wine. Well, I think they also eat uh, a whole different uh, diet. You know, they have high uh, high unsaturated fats and and uh, oils and th- those sorts of things that that help. And uh, there's probably some genetic factors there too. Also, they they do tend to eat healthy. They almost shop every day. A lot of people shop every day in Europe. Yeah, and, you know, even when you're making pasta, if you're living in southern Italy, you're probably going to go out and and get fresh vegetables for your pasta and fresh tomatoes and all that, unless Mrs. Ragu's living next door. (laughs) Just go over there and grab a jug. (laughs) That's the story. I I think that uh, healthy living means that you eat a well-balanced diet, and I tell you, the, the people that I see living into their hundreds, they're thin, Ken. They are not heavy set. You just don't see heavy set people living into their hundreds. It just doesn't happen. Well, I live in Sun City, and um, all the, let's say, 90-year-olds I see walking around are thin. You're absolutely right. Now, on the other side of the equation of the gut, regular laxative use is tied to increased dementia risk. So, if you're taking laxatives, you might want to slow down. Okay. <laughs> That's an odd connection. but I don't know where they come up with this stuff, but this is right out of uh, Medscape, right out of the medical literature. Um, oh, this is from the, uh, the the British. You know, they do all this stuff. They have this national health registry, and they, they keep up with everything that's going on in the world. And then also there was a study from the uh, Chinese Academy of Science and Gandong, Gong Dong, Gong Dong. If you say so, yeah. Yeah, and uh, so I guess there's a lot of Chinese that are hooked on laxatives, and they're all demented now. So we're kind of hoping that President Xi will start taking more. (laughs) (laughs) Keep it up, guys, yeah. (laughs) Keep up the good work over there. Speaking of China, what's going on? What's the latest? You want to switch to politics here a little bit? Oh, can we? Oh, thank you, Ken. I was so bored. (laughs) (laughs) I ain't talking shop. I know. Did you hear that China is operating illicit police stations inside the U.S.? Did you hear that? What? I haven't heard a word about this. Yeah, there uh, apparently there are several locations around the country, and uh, the reason that they're here is to monitor Chinese nationals who are in the United States who might be saying negative things about the, the uh, Communist Chinese Party. And so there's a place in New York, they even showed a picture uh in the news of the building that they're housed in, and I guess they're secretly whisking these people back or uh, threatening to uh, to do something to their families if they don't come home and, and go to jail for a while. But, that's more the more likely scenario there, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's so, that's terrible. Yeah, the, the, the one place is above a noodle shop in, in, <laughs> in Chinatown in New York. Of course. So you've got to be careful where you eat noodles in, down in Chinatown. And Man. that's a great little area. Have you been there? Uh, Chinatown in New York? No, I've been to Chinatown in Chicago, but never in New York. It's a big community. I mean, there's, of course, it's our biggest city, so there's the, the largest community of Orientals, whether it's Chinese or uh, 
Koreans or Japanese. I'm sure there's a big community of Japanese. The Koreans, I mean, they they have a whole area in Queens. I think they own the damn area. <laughs> big and population they, there, huh? Yeah. At restaurants and all kinds of uh, of, uh, of of great uh, Korean shops and and restaurants. Of course, the the restaurants are what the Koreans live for. They they're like the Italians. They're already planning the next meal when they're halfway through the current one. <laughs> but uh, that's good. I mean, you know, they have a lot of family uh, togetherness and all that. But at any rate, they're going after somebody named, I can't even pronounce it, Legion J-G-G-I, I don't know. Anyway, they're, Neither do we, so we'll, we'll take it, sure. They're, they're, not, they're after him because he's a pro-democracy activist. Mm. Mm. So I'll bet they are. But they can't kidnap him. That's illegal here, so. Well, they can if they get away with it. I guess that well, I have to have your own Chinese private jet. Well, yeah, you know they. I do. I guess they do. Well, plus, I mean, if you're holding their family members, yeah, and, well, and and you're saying you're coming with us, or we're going to kill your whole family, what are you going to do? That's right. That's essentially kidnapping. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I would just say, you know, you can kill them all. <laughs> <laughs> I got mine anyway. <laughs> I never felt welcome in my family. <laughs> That'll teach them. They should have been nicer well, to me. And, and now China is talking about maybe uh, supplying Moscow with arms. I guess the Russians, all 150 million of them, are, are too wimpy to make their own stuff. And so I don't. She, I hope they don't do that. That's a that's a whole another step. You know. Well, that you know, that's what uh, the uh, the Secretary of State he warned the Chinese there'll be a consequences. I mean, I don't know what kind of consequences Joe Biden's going to put on him, you know, slap him with his gloves or what. But, He'd have to hit him with the same thing that is on Iran right now, who's also yeah, supplying weapons. Yep, you got to got to do that, and he didn't even want to do that. They want to do deals with Iran, Iran. Yeah, I know they do. That's what's sad. Uh, and just, I mean, what's wrong with these people? How'd they get in the White House? Who allowed this? Trusting souls. That's the problem. Well, you know, somebody said to me, "Who would you vote for when when uh, Trump and and Biden were running? Would you would you vote for the Grinch or would you vote for Santa Claus?" Well, you know, Biden's promising you everything, including the kitchen sink, and Trump's saying, "Well, you know, <laughs> we have to put some reality into this." So you're going to vote for Biden if you're if you're somebody who feels that you deserve more than what you have or you're needy or whatever. Entitled, sure. Yeah. Entitled. Meanwhile, Xi's going to uh, going to Moscow pretty soon to meet with Putin, who I guess is is falling down in in the polls there. But uh, he seems to be doing okay. I mean, he's he's holding on. They haven't had a revolution yet. They haven't killed him. Well, that could happen at any second, from what I've been reading. He's really, apparently, pretty paranoid about it right now. Well, you know, he's touting their economy. And it only shrunk to 25 It's still growing 2.5%. Did you know that? That we thought that we'd yeah. put them into a, re into a recession. Well, maybe this year. Who we knows? Didn't. We didn't. You know why? Price China. Of Price of oil. They're selling oil to China. And India? To India. Yeah. And to Iran or whoever wants to buy it, you know, they're selling it. They're putting it out there. And a lot of times you don't know where oil's coming from because it's loaded into a big ship, big tanker. The tanker pulls out into the open ocean, and it may sit there for a few days waiting for somebody to buy it because they bid on this stuff. Yep. They turn off their transponders so nobody can see it happening. Nobody knows what's going on. Yeah. 
we were down at the uh, at at the beach last night, St. Pete Beach, and uh, we went out for dinner. And you can see ships sitting, you know, a mile offshore, uh, two miles offshore, with their lights on, and they just sit there for days. I guess they're waiting to uh, unload, but uh, you, you don't know what's going on. You have no idea. Yeah, when, when, once, it gets, once it leaves the port, you don't know what's going on with it. So. Yeah, it's kind of hard to track all that. I mean, I guess we could do it with our satellites, but uh, even then, uh, I don't know how much resources is going to be expended tracking yeah. oil tankers around the world, but who knows? Yeah. So he's coming to visit. He's going to go see Mr. Putin, and they're going to make a big deal. And I guess they put it forward a 10-point peace plan, which uh, some of which uh, President Zelensky said, yeah, that's not a bad idea. Now, I didn't read the plan, so I can't talk about it. But uh, I haven't seen the plan either. I, I've heard there's not many details. But if Zelensky's saying, okay, that's not bad, then it's something we should look at. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm sure that there's going to be war reparations in, in any plan from any country. Yeah. Uh, However, this is not something that uh, I would like to see happen. Uh, I, I don't want to see the Ukraine bought off. I don't want to see them sell real estate to the Russians. And now the Russians are talking about pushing the, the Polish border back if they get the Ukraine. Well, I mean, they don't have the Ukraine yet, and they're already talking about the Polish border. That's just talk, Doc. That's, that's Their eyes are bigger than their stomach. Yeah, that's just – they don't have they don't have the capability to do that, so. I don't think they do either. No. They take on uh, then they step over the border in Poland. They take on NATO. You, you know, hope. So. You hope. Well, that that's we the plan have, anyway. That you hope that we have that uh, that kind of resolve, but uh, I'm not quite sure what this administration has resolved and and what they will or will not do. You know, the problem is is that anytime you have a. Uh, by the way, did you know eight of our ten largest wars were under Democratic presidents? Yes, did Democrats you know? do tend to uh, start wars. They like war. I don't know why, but they do like it. Maybe and it's good for the economy. Good for their pocketbook. Yeah. You buy, you know, defense stocks, start a war. <laughs> so there was a resolution in the U.N. condemning, I guess, uh, the Russian invasion of the Ukraine, except for six countries that voted with the Russians, Belarus, North Korea, Syria, Eritrea, Mali, and Nicaragua all joined Russia in opposing the declaration. And now we are, what, doing business with, uh, with any of these countries? I don't know. I don't think we're, we're not close to Eritrea now, are we? No. And Nicaragua, I know that people go there and vacation occasionally, but I don't hear a, a whole lot of uh, interaction between Nicaragua and the United States. No, I the think only thing they're sending here are drugs, so. I think the Sandinista got back into Nicaragua, didn't they? That I hadn't heard, but it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, I think they did. I thought, what was his name? The guy that led the Sandinista back in the 80s and 90s. I think he got reelected. And, and uh, a lot of South America is all of a sudden in the throes of this uh, socialist communist uh, spasm. I see Peru, they're, they're rioting there. I don't know if they still are. Chile was having problems because the uh, social activists wanted more socialism and uh, so if South America falls to socialism and communism, then we're going to have our hands full. We really are. Yeah. <laughs> if China starts moving into South America, we really need to do something. And they are starting to do that, you know. 
Oh yeah, they're they're moving in. They're moving in. They they don't think that uh, we have the the will or the resolve to stand up to them. The problem with this is that uh, we saw the same kind of attitude uh, with the Japanese before World War II. They thought that we were lazy and just wanted to party and that we wouldn't fight back if they bombed our Pacific fleet, which they felt would open up the Pacific to them so they could go south and, and take into China and uh, take some of the island countries down there because they needed rubber, they needed uh, chrome, they needed oil, they needed a lot of the basic supplies that we were selling them and that were being sold from the Americas to them. And when they invaded uh, Korea and then China, we kept telling them, if you don't stop this, we're not going to sell to you anymore. And we quit. Did you know that? Yep, that was the trigger for World War II. That was the trigger for them to to attack us because they wanted to move south into Indochina and uh, and uh, we were and, standing in their way. <laughs> so. And we were yeah, we had a fleet that, that could stop them. So they thought, well, we'll just take the fleet out. They won't do anything. And Yamamoto said, you better hurry up and and kill them all because they're, you just woke a sleeping tiger. Yeah, he gave him six months. He said, you have six months to run free. Yeah, and, and after that, no guarantees. You don't defeat the United States in six months. The war is lost. Yeah, because they were hoping that we would sue for peace. Say, okay, just take what you want. Just leave us alone. Don't hurt us anymore. Yeah, yeah. but that didn't work. No. <laughs> you never know what will trigger, uh, uh, you know, uh, such a discordant group of people as we are that we're always arguing with each other and carrying on. But you never know what will trigger, uh, uh, you know, a, a, a unification. Yeah. You never know. That's right. I, I, the U.S. was nowhere near ready to go into World War II before Pearl Harbor. No, I mean, President uh, Roosevelt was trying to talk people into it and preparing people, and he was quietly uh, preparing uh, uh, the industrial complex, military-industrial complex, cranking that up because we had the Lend-Lease. Remember that? Sure. We got an island, and we gave the we gave the uh, the English, the British, uh, ships and goods and tanks and plane parts and anything we could get over there, oil. But, but the people uh, at the time wanted nothing to do with that Second World War. No, most of the country was uh, against the war. They, they had, they remembered the World War One. They remembered the damage that it did to, to the economy, to the country, to their children, and they didn't want that again. But, and a lot of those guys are still limping around at the beginning of World War Two. Oh yeah, oh yeah, they're all gone now. But yeah. we've got a few World War Two vets still alive. I Not saw. many. Precious few now. I saw one guy that was in his early hundreds, and he was still pretty active. He would he got cards from every state. Every state sent him a, a birthday card. Cool. cool. Yeah, when you turn a hundred, why not? He probably doesn't smoke. <laughs> <laughs> and he obviously didn't get shelled. Yes, exactly. Yeah, he missed the bombs. So. so the the Russian economy is holding up, and uh, the Russian-Ukraine war is still going on. We've still got uh, the Russians threatening another offensive, and they're going to fire rockets and all that. And the Ukrainians are begging us for help. And uh, I, I hear a lot of criticism here about us giving them aid and assistance, Ken. I, and I don't understand it. You know, you do you you know how big our economy is? Huge. It's huge. It's five or six yeah. trillion. And so if we give them $1 billion, you know what percentage of a, a $5 trillion, $1 billion is? Tiny, minuscule. Two-tenths or of 1%. I mean, it is so small, 
that if you had if you had an ounce of of, uh, of 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 powder in your hand and you blew it all away, whatever little bit left, <laughs> that's what it would be. I mean, we could afford to give them ten billion, fifty billion. And we should. It's just politics. It's just politics on that end. That's all. It's it just just politics. Yeah. I mean, I, even the Republicans are saying, "Oh, we should be spending this money on our own people." You know, well, behind the scenes, they're going, "Yeah, we got to get money over to the Ukraine." Well, <laughs> they're not all saying that. Some Republicans are saying that you know we should be sending as much as we can over there. I'm not sure we should be sending F-16s. I don't know about that one, but why not? Uh you know, I really, I really. It's just I would hate to see them accidentally fly over into Russia. If you're chasing somebody out of your, you know, out of your territory, what the hell? Yeah, well, then you start bombing Russia, you've got a problem. I'm not worried about the Russians. Yeah, they still got nukes. You got to be a little careful. Well, you think they're going to nuke the Ukraine for shooting down one of their planes over their territory? I don't know what that crazy man would do. Well, uh, yeah, but you've got uh, you've got a whole hierarchy. I mean, it's not like he has the the, the sole control of the button. Well, I hope not. I don't know, no. I don't know about their their system over there. So, well, I mean, they they have checks and balances just like we do. But uh, the, the question is, has he eliminated all of the people that would disagree with him? There, there's the there's the rub. Mm. And uh, yeah, exactly. You put people in there <laughs> who want to nuke him, so. And and you know we've got we've got submarine commanders and I'm sure they do too who would just love to launch yeah <laughs> so but uh, we also have officers on board and you you have two or three different people that have to turn the key and you have to have orders from headquarters and you got to have the proper codes and all that yeah, I'm sure they have those safety measures over there too so. yeah I mean you know yeah I'm to. not they're not going to nuke the Ukraine no I don't I mean, think so it becomes useless to them at that point planet. It becomes useless to them at that point. Yeah, and then they don't gain anything. Can't grow food there, can't do anything. So No, you'd have to wait years before you could do anything and, and uh, take a lot of work cleaning it up. I, don't know. I think China would probably say goodbye to Russia at that time if they did use nukes. Yeah, well, I would think so. I mean, why would they want to lock horns with us? Our nuclear arsenal is 100 times bigger than theirs. Yeah, they, they would walk away from Russia at that point. I think just common sense would dictate that. I mean, even the the Indians would walk away from them. The Chinese would walk away from them. There you have two two of the largest nuclear powers on the planet, and you have the the largest military, the largest army with the Indians, and one of the largest navies with the Chinese. Even though they're a bunch of little dinky little ships, but <laughs> but yeah, still. they love to, They like to talk about that two hundred navy ship they've got, a two hundred ship navy they've got, but they they don't tell you. Most of them are just tiny little things. Yeah, they're just, you know, they're like PT boats yeah. that we used during World War II, which, by the way, were fairly effective in some some arenas. But uh, still, uh, if you're going to launch uh, jets, you can't do it off of the deck of a PT boat. <laughs> that won't work. <laughs> try, and land a, try and land a jet on a PT boat. See what happens. I think those PTs were, what, about 20, 35, 30 feet, 35 feet long? They weren't very big. No, but they were fast and they were nimble and they had some big torpedoes on them, so they worked pretty well there. I think some guy down in New Orleans uh, helped develop those things, too. And I think he uh, he also originally thought about using metal, and then he thought, well, why can't we just use plywood? 
Yeah. So I think some, I don't know if it was the PTs or if it was the landing vehicles, but the, some of those things during World War II were made out of plywood. Doc, we've got 30 seconds left. You want to give, we haven't talked about the office at all. You want to give the number out there? I'll give you the number. I am Dr. Bill. I'm at 727-384-6411, 727-384-6411, full service clinic. We do cardiology, internal medicine. We do uh, emphysema. <laughs> I know that. <laughs> we'll do it all, and we love you guys, and we'll see you next week. I am Dr. Bill. Thanks, Doc. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Dr. Bill, your radio MD. Join Dr. Bill every Sunday morning at 9 for more insight, information, provocation, and fun. Dr. Bill Handelman practices in St. Petersburg, Florida at Bay Area Medical Can Care Clinic, 6399 38th Avenue North. For your convenience, telemedicine appointments are available. Call his office today at 727-384-6411. That's 727-384-6411. Or visit his website at Clinic. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 